Welcome to Juice Podcast. I'm Emily Harmon. Oh, and I'm Gwen Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to today's episode on the Loire. Mm. So I'm quite excited about this. I am too. I'm kind of surprised we haven't done the Loire actually because we Me both, too. particularly you, I feel like you've got, you got lots quite of a lot of. Yeah, I do actually. You know, Rene Moss, like you like Chanel. Yeah, I love Chanel a lot. Yeah. It's definitely a go to for me of a a savvy bee. (laughs) Love affair. Aromatics. Also, our friend Frankie. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's the perfect region. Mm. Also, I love that we're doing it as a springtime thing because I kind of feel like there's so many great, like, fresh, delicious, zingy springtime choices in the Loire. Yes. 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 Yes, 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 yes. So yes. we have four today. <laughs> so we're going to try not to be waste. wasted. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to keep our stuff together. Right. Our stuff together. So we're going to start with a little bit of like where the Loire is for those that... Yes. Yeah. So um, we know where the Loire is. So we're in northwest France. Um, Brittany's not far by. So basically the closest... I would say the closest town anyway is Tours. To Nantes, no, Tour to Nantes, I think, is the two ends. Um, So, yeah, Nantes being right by near the sea where all of the wines that Muscadet come from with Melon de Bourgogne, we don't have one today. We Um, can do that another another day. We can do that another time. So we start with the kind of, uh, the the lower vineyards into the middle, central, and then the upper Loire. So all of the vineyards follow the Loire, uh, all of the vineyards follow the Loire River inland. Right, okay. Gotcha. And I'm sure, obviously, the river plays a part in... Moderating the climate, right. of course, as well, because it's a very cold place, right. or cool climate to produce wine. And the soils vary depending where you are in the Loire as well. So we're going to have some limes, limestone. Yeah, there's a lot of limestone. Like, I mean, particularly in the middle part where you see a lot of Chenin Blanc, for example. Right. It's very famous for these Tufo soils. And then, obviously, when you go further inland towards where we find more of the Sauvignon planted and the Pinot Noir, there's different soils there, rockier soils. Okay. We'll some flint, okay. Silex showing up. Obviously, yeah, so there few... was some, like, marine lands, kind of like... Yes. Like Chablis has. Yeah, sort these of fossilised... Like, yeah, and most chalk, anyway, is... I mean, I think Fossilite, all chalk yes. is fossilised. Yes, I think so. Is fossilised. It's, like, made from animals essentially whether that's algae yes exactly fish or mammals right all made from decomposed like the white cliffs of dover yes and the vineyards of champagne yes exactly under the layer of trash (laughs) under the layer of garbage (laughs) under a sweet layer of garbage yes um but yeah maybe while we get into this i might start by pouring the first wine for us so we're not so m's picked our lineup today to give us a nice um like overview of some interesting producers that we can look at some different grapes and see some iconic producers yeah i think for some people in the know they'll know maybe at least one of the producers maybe people know all of the producers but they're all quite small producers yeah which is cool um and some of them have like sort of cult status yeah yeah exactly so here we go it's all right moody relax the dog is again under the table, so be aware. He is our barking might occur. Yeah, he's our podcast set manager. <laughs> the agent under the table. <laughs> the agent under the table. <laughs> Sounds like a scene from The Matrix. There's I'm an like, agent under the yeah. table. I'm actually really happy you brought a fizz, actually. Because mm. I think you're totally right that this is a region that makes a lot of really nice sparkling 
Well, this is the amazing... affordable stuff. Yeah, and this is the amazing thing about the Loire for me is that there is so much diversity in terms of great variety, soils, regions, stories. Whilst wine styles. Wine styles, exactly. Sparkling, dry, richer wines, sweet wines. It's a one-stop shop. It is, yeah. Maybe not for full-bodied wines so much, but um, yeah, definitely for fresh wines, young wines, and also wines that age very well as well. We don't have anything old today. That's no. maybe for another time. We will time, do like a... Loire 2.0. Yes. Aged Loire. Lockdown 5, we'll do that in. (laughs) So we've both... I've had this before because of you. Yeah, I gave you a bottle, right? Yeah, it's delicious. Mm, It has a really nice scent, Mm. actually. So the wine that we're starting off with is the 2018 Pet Sec Sec Rosé from Le Capriard. Um, Mm. And yeah, I really love this producer and... Some, I think they've sort of been growing in popularity over the years as well. I imported um, a number of bottles of this into Germany uh, at the beginning, well, not the beginning of last year, the beginning, like, at some time in 2019. What is time? Yeah. What is time? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I know I've been thinking about that, that Ravelli book so much lately. Oh, so, I should read it again, actually. <laughs> no, like, the right now's time a relevant for that, time, yes. yeah. Just like, what, what is, is time? time? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I love it. But yeah. So um, anyway, so these, what's quite interesting here, two winemakers, Pascal and Moses, and they are, um, yeah, making the wine together. They're a small operation, six and a half hectares. They make 35,000 <clears throat> bottles, so very small production. And they only make Method Ancestral. So they only make Pet Nat. So this is really what they focus their energies on. And, um, and they do it excellently. And I think they've really got it down pat. There's always the right level of fizz, the right level of dryness. Yeah, the bubbles are nice and clean. fine. It's like not too... Yeah. And these are natural wines. There's yeah, like no probably. mousiness at all. And I know in previous years, I, had, I remember when I did my um, pop-up in Superbrick in the motorcycle garage in 2016, I had magnums of these. And a few years before that, there were some of the pet nats that okay. had a touch of mousiness to them, but that's not the case, and it hasn't been the case for many years. There is this pristine, crystalline quality in the wines. There's this finesse the in the bubble. The smell is really phenomenal. Yeah. They have a really like delicate, fine... There is a little perfumey... Yes. Floral. For me, it's... T- it, do you know what this always smells like initially? Jolly Ranchers. Oh, yeah, totally. I can see that. Like the green and yeah, the cherry. Totally. Like the, the green apple flavour and the yes. cherry one. Oh, I 100% <laughs> can see that. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Totally. So this is um, mm. actually a blend of... To cough. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Tickle me, tickle my throat. <laughs> joking. So this is actually a blend of cot, which is the local word for uh, Malbec. Oh, which you find in yes. the Loire, but it's called Cot, C-O-T. Uh, Cot, it's Gamay and Cabernet Franc. So the oh, three of the main red grapes in the Loire in this pet nat. But yeah. Yeah, really. I think, what's the price point for this? Like if you, reach, if you buy it uh, from a shop? If it was in a shop, it would be depending on the shop's margin. Because they are a little bit more expensive yeah, than sure. other pet nats. But it's because it's an artisan product. Right, delicious. And, yeah. Um, and they're working organically and quite wet area as well um so the retail price would probably be t- somewhere between in euros 22 to 25 i mean that's i think in a shop. reasonable for something like this and on a wine list somewhere between 40 and 50 mm-hmm. depending on the margin but i so think it's, it's, like, it's not like out of the no. realm of any other pet nat um, no and i think like for what it is it's really 
pretty you anyone would be happy if you had this yes like celebratory fun yeah i would drink this at brunch we yes. drink this in the middle of the night <laughs> <laughs> when i can't sleep yeah. <laughs> I would wear it like perfume. when those bad dreams yeah. come <laughs> no i think it's like a and sparkling for all occasions yes yeah i love this um i love that it's got this dry like it's dry but it's fruity yeah there's like is there Fresh, a little residual sugar because it does have a, it feels like there's a little it does and i think it feels like there's more than there is yeah but, probably um but i think there is That's like maybe a gram or two but i don't think it's more than that yeah very nice but um yeah i like that there's this kind of little bit of yeasty toast yeah a little bit at the as end. well but otherwise, this seems to be like when I was reading about sparklings in the Loire, that there is this sort of delicacy mm. with some of the... But I didn't. I haven't had a... Because there's no Chenet in this, right? It's three red grapes. Yes. I did not know that yeah. the last time I had it. Yes. So I should not be drinking blindly. <laughs> 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 yeah, cool. But I think... Um, I mean, this is interesting. And I think actually just with pet nats as well. Like, I mean, obviously they've been made all over but I mean the Loire there's so many pet nuts right. to choose from there's certain regions where you know that it's just a bit more common to see this style of wine and I think it's also because the Loire even though you have sort of larger producers more commercial producers it's also an area with right. a high amount of organic vineyards the yeah, natural right. wine scene uh, what was happening in Beaujolais was also happening in the Loire at the same time and it was okay. kind of a really a revolutionary area Particularly because it's one of the more challenging climates in France to right. produce wine. I guess when it's way, so wet, you have a lot way. of like vineyard Mold. issues, molds, and bacterial yeah, exactly. problems. And so to not use fungicides, for example, right. you know, it's it very right. tempting to use them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because this is also an area that betri- like there's botrytis in some wines, right? Mm. Because of this, and some of the sweet wines. Yeah, some yeah. of the sweet wines. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. obviously it's you have to really be in the in the vineyards if you're making wines that way. And I also think it's important that people know that because I think if you do see that some things cost a little more, but when you see that they're organic certified or they're doing things biodynamically, it tells you already that you have to have some understanding that they go through a little harder time yes. than someone in the south of France with a 300 days of sun. Mm. That when you're battling a maritime climate and a lot of wet, that yeah, things are coming at you. Yes, totally. That take time and money. And I think while we're talking about the grapes, like it could be good just to yeah. summarise the other grapes that we find. So for so there's quite a few different grape varieties in the Loire. Uh, white, there's Melon de Bourgogne that we've right. been talking about, which has which many, is names. many names. Um, and then there is uh, Chenin Blanc, right. Sauvignon, Chardonnay, right. a little bit of Romorantin, found in Courchevigny. And then the red grapes, we have... Frankie Boy. Cabernet Franc. <laughs> we have Pinot Noir, Gamay, Cot, which is Malbec, and then Pinot de Nice and Grollo. And there might be some other things that we've missed sure off, but they are the, here and there. They're the key players, let's say. There's a lot going on. I mean, mm. I, it must be actually then... I mean, each region, obviously, for Appalachians, will have rules... But then if you're making vin de France or you're doing some biodynamic stuff, it puts a lot of tools in your tool belt to make interesting stuff mm. if you don't want to have Appalachians. Are there a lot of winemakers working off? off? Yeah, I mean, there's some iconic ones. Like, I mean, look at Thierry Pouzelat, for example. I mean, some of his wines he doesn't... Use um, any of the... Some he does use some of the Appalachians, some he doesn't. And I think, yeah, there's way more freedom around... Uh, operating outside the Appalachian system but and I mean now is a better time than ever to be doing that because right. you don't have to rely on the brand if you've got the right yes. connections 
and you get the right importers and you go directly to the trade. And already and if you, you have a name this. for yourself as a good winemaker, people yes. don't care then if it's like no. not a Sancerre or no. a whatever. And, I mean, we're talking about small, like in this lineup here anyway, we're talking about quite small producers. Right. So there's a limit anyway to how much they yes, can right. sell or need to sell. Okay. You know? But this has been a great start, yes. I think. I think it shows Good. that there's like a nice place to look for sparkling mm. if you don't want to be spending champagne money and want something a little different. You know, not everyone likes the flavors in champagne anyway, because mm. sometimes they can be quite savory or buttery or rich or bready or whatever. Yes. And sometimes people want something a little more floral or with a little more fruit, something a bit more delicate. Mm. So I think there's some of those options maybe mm. in the Loire. I agree. I agree. And I think um, for me as well, what I, what I find interesting is not just one is there's diversity in the wine styles, of course. It's, often still a region where you can get good value as well yeah right so like even the expensive wines are like not even expensive compared right. to other regions you know and it was quite interesting i had a conversation with a sommelier friend uh in november because i wanted to purchase uh, an expensive bottle of sauvignon it was a bottle of didier dagono silex okay uh-huh. and yes. i wanted to buy this wine because i was like oh, i love this wine and he said to me but it's Sauvignon. Why would you spend that much bottle, money on a bottle of Sauvignon? And then I was like, but it's like, I mean, it's like the price of a Premier Cru Burgundy. It's not. And who cares if you like it? But then I was like, <laughs> I understand. But then I was like, why have we got these things? You know, like these it's like weird ideas of like, oh. Yeah. I mean, it's just like every other system where you're like passed on these set of ideals and, oh, we value, we see value in this right. and we see value in this. So there's not value in that. And uh, I don't know, he talked me out of buying it. And then like the whole, like, for days after, I was like really ruminating on it. So I was just like, why did I let somebody talk me right. out of this? Out of something that you find delicious, that you it's enjoy like, drinking. Living in a patriarchal world influences you even with your wine buying. I mean, it's the same idea like when we talk about, when people use the term like basic bitch to describe something. I really hate this term because it's like, it means nothing. Like, there are some wines that are popular because they appeal to lots of people's palates. We all like it. There's nothing wrong about it. There's nothing basic about something being universally delicious or universally great. And if you like it, then fucking roll with it. If you don't, then get off and move on to something else. Mm. It's like taking away someone's pleasure for something. It's just shit all around. Like, I mean, this is also, it goes into a slightly different topic as well of like, this is where I think wine overlaps with art as well in the in the with the idea that value is found in your personal view and value of something actually yes it should of course there's a level of value to some degree of like quality and you know like maybe you're not getting value for money in something or whatever but when when wines get after a certain price point that's when it does become like buying fine art like okay is that is that like piece of cardboard that's like just glued onto a piece of canvas but i think it's you also know, like, the motivation of why someone is buying it because you know there are some art buyers that buy unusual pieces of art because it speaks to them because they enjoy it and that's Same exactly way with, what i mean with, with the wine yeah, with, some people are buying wine because they love it and enjoy it and other people are buying it as like speculatory like an investment like oh if i buy this i don't understand it or like it but i think this artist is going to be really famous in x number of years and i can sell it for a lot of money and people do this with wine all the time. Mm. So it's like, yeah, the motivation behind why someone even purchased something is also important. Are you buying it because you just love it? Then fucking buy it. If it's worth, if you have the money and it's, you know, you can obviously wait around till it gets a little cheaper and you, it's nice to ask people if it's, you know, if it's going to go down in price. 
the same as in art, but I think if you're buying something that you enjoy, only you can make the decision if it's worth it. 100%. And I mean, it's interesting this as well with, with wine, like just staying on this sort of art topic as well, especially with the secondary so, market. So I was about to say the secondary market is like Yeah, I mean, unreal. look at like what's happening with producers like Miwar, for example. I mean, it's kind of disgusting. Like I mean, a thousand euros for a wine. And it's out of control because we bought a bottle of Miwar in Amsterdam for like from a restaurant for like 65 bucks. Yes. You know, a few years ago. Like even on the list, it was like listed for 65 Mm. So it's like astounding to me to see because you know the winemaker's not seeing that secondary market right. money and like never does. And I've seen this. I've actually seen winemakers starting to bypass the secondary market because they're getting sick of it. So um, there's a Spanish producer that I know quite well that friends of mine and their top wine they literally tripled the price of it because they were because they were selling it. Yeah, and then it they, was just getting... and then and then it was being sold for that price by other people. Yes. So they were like, do you know what? Then we sell it. Yeah, like it's not going to any restaurant, so we're just going to sell it at this price, and people can just buy, pay for because it directly right. through us. Because otherwise, for me, it makes like it's really unfair then that the middleman makes a lot of money, and the actual person that's producing and crafting this beautiful thing gets nothing or very little. You know, oh, you should be happy that your wine is a cult wine. It's like, yeah, who gives a shit if I'm still selling the wine for fifteen bucks a bottle? Who gives a shit if it's being sold for seven hundred on the secondary yes. market? I don't see it. Yes. It's not yeah, fair. and that's and I think that's also the um, that's also where it becomes the view is skewed for the consumer, right? Because of um, it looks as though they're doing right. really well, but it's actually not the case. It's the same with art. When you see things like you see, you know, up and coming artists sold at you know art art sold at Christie's for totally. like millions, and you're like that artist was probably paid like ten grand for that piece. I mean, I don't know if you saw like with the scandal with like Dave Chappelle, the American comedian. Uh, I mean, from, I think he's from New York actually. He's and admired in a lot of, huh? Like the comedian. Yeah, Dave do you Chappelle. know Dave Chappelle? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's so funny, and um, but so recently, was it? I was it was a couple of years ago, but fa- fairly recently, he did. He had to. He was scheduled to do like some uh, stand up. I think it was a twenty minute segment or something. And instead of doing the comedy, he was like, "Hey, so just letting you know, like by the way, I you know I'm an everyday person." Da, 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 and he talks about the complexities of like contracts and all of the intricacies that are written in there and how you sign contracts as an artist because you're desperate that you just take this and then because you you have no yeah yeah, and you have no power anymore so basically his show was being streamed on um comedy central and i think hbo and he was receiving no money for it and they could keep streaming it i mean this happens without his consent this happens so much with like you know i had it with um like Top Chef Canada forever. You know, like the message and because a contestant had tattoos of mine, but they send you a contract that gives you a blanket where they can have control over your artwork in any form. Like that's the contract they make you want to sign. And I was like, yeah. And even no. apparently even in the contract, it says like, even in the universe, you know, like, yeah, basically like yeah. ridiculous In case things. we move to Mars. Yeah. No one will be able to buy yeah. it. Yeah. It's kind of like, and I think as an artist or as a small wine producer, any of these things, you have to really be on top of this stuff because it's really easy. But you can't, in some cases, you can't afford a lawyer. Like he did not No, totally. And yeah. now he's tied. So, all he's, so he did this whole, like it was a, a really an act of protest where he just said, this is the only choice we have. He's like, if you, if you support me, he's like, don't watch my show. Everybody needs to yeah. boycott, boycott the show. So the dropping, droppings, right. like the listing. Right, to drop the, the listing. The viewers, yeah, yeah, it drops. So then... Um, it so then it actually has value, an impact yeah. to the, onto that channel. 
Unfortunately. And it was quite interesting. You talked, then you, I saw another one because I was like, oh, I want to know more about this. And Netflix actually had been streaming it and he wrote to them and said, like, this is going right. on and they just removed it. And I mean, then they, and then they paid yeah. him. And yeah. I thought that was actually quite... And like, then it bombed. But then... That's <laughs> no. And then he made too many trans jokes and he lost me as a viewer. But, oh, no. <laughs> but he has... Uh, yeah, this stuff is super interesting, the contract stuff, because it's... This is how secondary market and so many things fucks everybody. And I think mm. we touched on this on the last episode when you said about being mindful of where you put your money. And I think, like, yes, this is a topic 100%. Don't buy your shit on the secondary market. Mm. Buy it from someone who's, like, either has, like, direct contact with the, you know, you can go visit a lot of these places, I think, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I would say be really cautious. Also be really, I mean, for me as well, I don't buy anything on the secondary market because... I'm not dealing so much in the fine wine end anyway. So I'm not, not buying, buying from auction like, yeah, and things yeah. so often. But if I did, there would be ways to do it at least sure. with a bit more consideration or through direct right. sellers or whatever. But Also because it's just wasted money. That's the thing that makes me bananas because that money, that's, it's just like someone making that money for like very... It's mm. a really strange for me way to make money is someone who creates things for a living. What do you mean, sorry? Like, the, sec- the person making all that money, I don't know. For me, it's, like, a really exploitive business to yeah, be in. Yeah, it's very exploitative, totally. Like, the choice to be in this business and to... I mean, it's a... I mean, we live in a capitalist world, so that's part of the thing. But I would rather see that money. Imagine if so much of that secondary market money went back into wineries, where they could... Where more wineries could go biodynamic or work a bit... Behind, you know, just better, easier... Yes, I mean, or that winemaker could take his family on holiday. <laughs> right, take a break. You know, the yeah. winemakers work so hard. People forget that, like, when their wines are sold for hundreds and hundreds on the secondary market, they think they're fancy. These people are farmers, you know, like, mm. who make beautiful things and who appreciate fine things, but not in the same... I think it's also to be cautious, just as a buyer anyway, is that... all things. That, one, there's that impact, and it's important to be aware of that impact, but two... You might actually be buying counterfeit wine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, and also, I mean, very the easy. environmental impact. You know, I remember seeing mm. a bottle in the Hof, say at the at the tattoo shop that someone had bought a couple of nice premier cru, whatever. Yeah, but they were bought from a wine shop in uh, America. <laughs> they had a label on it, so it's like these wines went from the winery in, in France. To obviously someone then in the States who then, you know, it's like, it just went back and forth and back and forth. It's like, we also don't need this shit to be traveling so far back mm. and forth to go from Europe to the States, back to Europe. That's yes. a journey. It is, it is a journey. That it didn't need to necessarily maybe it was go made, Maybe it was a blend made by old mate, what's his name, Randy. Who's the guy that did the, um, well, who's making all the counterfeit wine in his Oh, apartment. yeah. That was what was that film? Amazing. It was great. Sour, yeah. Grapes. Sour grapes. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, wasn't it? I kind of was in some ways. Well, I wonder how you want to high five him for being so yeah, good at it. It's incredulous. It's just like, yeah. how's he getting away with this? But then you're also like, come on, man, check the lot numbers. Like, you just check. Do your but research. it actually shows you actually how much there's an element of trust in yeah, this, and, and people I, don't challenge each other because there's a lot of ego tied into wines. Well, and there's not enough education actually done around like sourcing wine and how to source it, wine, source wine. It's easier to fleece people. Yeah, and I, I mean, I see this even the like, I mean, I see this in a very basic level, just even with how sommeliers purchase, wine shops purchase, online wine shops purchase, that there are ethics and values in place and systems in place that need to be respected for this to sure. to work in with respect to the winemaker, to everybody that does all of the work to promote, to build up the profile of those right. wineries, that 
I'm always really cautious around how I how I buy and who I buy right. from and in the way in which I buy from them. And I think that's not considered enough today because everybody right. looks for the quick fix right. and how can I get that wine for the cheapest price and da da da. And there's no thought of like why sustainability. Is this? Yeah, totally. I mean, for everybody. Yes. Right. And it's like. Um, it's not just what can you squeeze out of something. How can you squeeze as much out of something? But then if you do that, you kill it. Yes. Sometimes there has to be like... Well, it all comes... I mean, I'm a big believer of karma and I know it all right. comes around. Yeah. It all comes out in the wash yeah. in some way because it's not a sustainable model. And mm. I do think overall there are more people fighting the good fight. Right. That it, that and it just gets more and more as yeah this goes on. But it, it can, it's just being aware. So for, for anybody that is listening that is looking to buy online, like if you're buying anything expensive that has a, a number or a lot number on the wine, contact the winery. Check yeah, the lot number yeah. Because it could be a case that that wine has been stolen. There's been a lot of wine crime happening within restaurants. Yes, actually. A, a lot, lot of burglary, burglaries. There was one recently somewhere <clears throat> in Germany. And I mean, and these are like, these are some serious heists going down. And like, I mean, this is like, I mean, it's not jewelry thieves anymore. It's like fine wine thieves. So, but it's the same idea where you have people with yes. money, like, and weapons and like, yeah, it's like, and they're really clever. Planned. These are like art heists, basically. So, exactly. Yeah. So it's really important to anything that you see. If you also, you have to wonder sometimes, why do I have access to these things so easily? You know, like, yeah, yeah, there's right. a reason why something might look like an appealing price. There's if it's too good to why... be true, it generally is. Yes. Yeah. Just to question a little bit, do a little research. Yeah, question also, contact, and always yes. contact the winery. So you can yeah. always say, I'm purchasing this. This is the name of the seller. I want to check. It, because yeah, the fine wine buyers will register the right. lot numbers. There's, there's a traceability with that for There'll some There'll be of the a sort of like... Uh, History. Yeah, exactly. They'll yeah. be like, oh, this person makes sense because they're in contact with this yeah, person. And, the, and, and if somebody's been like, you know, say so, someone's to- like that, ten, hundreds of thousands of euros of wine is stolen, let's say DRC, for example. Yeah, right. Then they're going to contact the winery they're going to let them know yeah right? totally so then there's this dialogue and, so and actually it's always... important for them because the winery also wants to yeah. be on top of what's going on for yeah. their yeah. for their brand yeah. so we're just like drinking this wine right now <laughs> yeah so sorry because <laughs> it's meanwhile, delicious meanwhile our, <laughs> meanwhile our conversation we have quite the... a big jump in terms mm. of style texture right and texture yeah this was mm. a so this is 2000 and this is i don't know why that reminds me of donald trump so doesn't do that because i think as well because i imagine him doing anyway it's going somewhere really wrong. all right oh my god i'm it's so Monday. glad no one is don't anyway so Gérard Boulet, mondam sancerre or sancerre mondam 2016 which gwen picked up which is great. I basically did like a CrossFit where I walked like a case of wine an hour across town. <laughs> so that made me feel good about it. Nothing else to do these Corona days. <laughs> eight, eight kilometers with a case of wine on my back. Oh, it's good. Getting yeah. stronger by the day. <laughs> um, yeah, because they're so. So I picked this one and the last one up at Passion Vin here in Berlin. Okay. So yeah, so we have um, a wine from Sancerre. So probably the most famous. Appellation within the Loire, um, and there's quite a lot of different appellations in the Loire. So, Sancerre is always 100%. Actually, you know, I was about to go in there with a bit of a weird fact. So, if it's a white wine from Sancerre, it's always 100% okay. Sauvignon, but there is red, red wine, wine produced. Red. 
which is uh, made with Pinot Noir. And a little fun fact about this. So historically, Sancerre was a red wine appellation. Oh, really? I don't know if you got this in your homework. But um, <laughs> not ringing any bells. <laughs> it's just to make me look like a news reporter. I'm sorry, miss. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, historically it was a, a red wine appellation where mm. it was um, Pinot Noir that was planted. I did not know that. And then after Phylloxera and the success of Bordeaux ah. wines, so, uh, Sauvignon was planted there. Interesting. Because Sauvignon comes originally from Bordeaux. Right. And um, because it, yeah, uh, so there we go. And, it, and I mean, Cabernet Franc also down there. I mean, Cabernet Sauvignon, right. we also, know, is like right. the two parents of Cabernet Sauvignon, yes. Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. The family. So they're all kind of, yeah, and I don't know, I'm not sure what instigated Sauvignon being planted there, but it was planted there. Interesting. And now it kind of has taken over a lot of the vineyards. But there are some good producers still producing Pinot Noir today, um, but it is really like a minority, minority. of course, you know, that people know when they right. say Sancerre that they think... White wine. Sauvignon, yeah. Right. Which is, I mean, popular. I would say, like, most average people probably know... Sancerre. That they like Sancerre. They may yeah. not know that it's Sauvignon, but they'll be like, yeah. oh, I've had that one and that yes. one's delicious. Yes. So Sancerre, I mean, beautiful, diverse soils. This is where we see different soil types. So we have these sort of rockier soils. We see flint right. showing up as well. We see the, the limestone as well, some marl. And Gerabule up there with, out of the more, in the more sort of classic profile, like classic tasting profile wines. I would say there's sort of two producers that are really kind of iconic. And I would say Gérard Boulet and I'd say Cot- like Francois Cotta okay, as well. Okay, um, But yeah, so, I mean, again, it's not a huge estate. It's 11 hectares um, based uh, around the town of Chavignol, which is also very famous for goat's cheese. Um, and all which of the pairs well with Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> yes. They say the chalkiness from the soil goes with the chalkiness of the cheese. I don't know, but it does work. What's that bloody expression that's like like chalk and cheese? <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from. Mm, I don't know. Like chalk, like chalk cheese and wine. Chalk cheese and wine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the vineyards are quite old. They're uh, starting from about 45 years of age. So he's got older vines. Uh, I know there's no herbicides, fungicides, yeah, pesticides yeah. used. Um, yeah, and like I think lower levels of sulfur. Uh, the yields in general are about a quarter lower than any other producer in in the loire as well so he's really focused on quality over quantity and making these really beautiful expressions of the grape yeah i mean this is really delicious yeah it is isn't it And i mean this is also what's interesting for me which i think there's not enough conversation around because it had been so hyped and so like such a vibe to be saying Sauvignon isn't cool, as we've talked yeah, about a lot with the, the Gavert stuff, yes. which I'm still not convinced by, but with Sauvignon it's slightly different. But that's just I my think, taste. Yeah, I also think because Sauvignon can wear, it can be so many different, it can express itself so many different ways. I think that's the like, I mean, I remember even just taking my first wine classes and I mean, when you really are a noob and you know nothing, being like, I didn't know it was Sauvignon Blanc. And mm. that explains probably why I liked it. Because, of course, for starting out, the New Zealand Sauvignons are so delicious. You're kind of led that way. And then you get more interested and you're like, oh, the cooler climates are have a totally different flavor profile. Yes. And it feels like a completely different product. Yes. So it's like really interesting that actually it's not just a... It's not just for suburban moms. It's not. <laughs> In this case, it's really not. And I think... 
Yeah, this <clears throat> is a wine, like, I mean, it's coming up to five years of age, so it is developing. It's still got yeah, some lovely youthful like, things, but the honey, yeah, like, the honey, Richard creamy notes are coming through. It even has, a, I mean, maybe I'm using the wrong word, but the, it feels like that sort of petroly, like. I know what you mean, yeah. I think that's this kind of flinty kind of. Yeah, it might be, because I was like, maybe it's the wrong word for it, but. You know, like the, like this yes. kind of struck. Yeah, and like a, flinty. Yeah. And then it also gives us a, kind of a slightly different floral profile right. as well, because it's not going into that like elderflower bomb no, that you see it's, sometimes. It's almost like going more into like white flowers let's say totally but it has a really beautiful smell mm. 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 yeah i like this a lot texture it's lovely fine mineral mm. acidity lures you back fine what do you think of this food pairings that's usually your question yeah i don't know <clears throat> i actually think this is maybe more versatile than it like i think i would drink this by itself happily i think I don't know, there's something I kind of want to... I want a creamy sauce and pastry, and it could be with chicken yeah. or it could be with fish. fish. I was going to say, like, like a, a fish, fish Mornay. Like a fish pie, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Claude Mornay, like this kind mm. of, like, yeah. cream sauce, butter. Because totally. it can go... That's why I was like, I think it's actually pretty versatile. Imagine a fish... Oh, I wish we had Even a fish pasta would be right great now. with a creamy pasta. Yes. Or even, like, a seafood risotto with totally. lots of parmesan yeah. on top. Yeah. So I think there's like enough fattiness going on that like, yeah, oh, Mia, that's a good wine. The length on yes. that is amazing. Really delicious. I also think this no, style of Sancerre where it's more complex, it can handle more yeah. like richer foods yeah, because totally. everybody, you know, you read these wine books about wine, food and wine pairing and they're so sterile in some ways. Yeah. It's always the same shit too. It's like Sauvignon. Yes. Goat cheese. Yes. It's Which, like, yeah. I mean, to, well, goat cheese, and I was thinking the whole like Sauvignon and asparagus. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, actually, didn't even cross my mind. I mean, especially here <laughs> in Germany, we have like six when Spargelzeit happens when it's asparagus. Season, the Dutch are also into this. Too. Six months of overcooked asparagus. <laughs> Someone else said that. And you know, so, like, why yeah. do they love asparagus so much? And then you just get like wet like asparagus, like a floopy wet noodle <laughs> asparagus. Like, I can buy tinned asparagus. Flaccid asparagus. <laughs> Oh, tinned asparagus. That's like a throwback <laughs> to the 80s. Like a... Oh. I thought you might be down with that. Wrapped in some ham. I mean... A cheesy sauce over the top. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> like an asparagus. Mm. Yeah, fish pie. That's yeah. like... Yeah, I was thinking Cod Mornay, yeah. Mm. Same thing. Mashed potato, cream sauce, yeah. fish. Yeah. I mean, put the boat out. Like, have a lobster Mornay, maybe. Yum. Yeah, it's mashed good. potato. Yeah, comfort food in some ways would be interesting just because of... Also, like, having something that's kind of like that. That's Like, a fish pie is kind of like a working-class dish, right? And then to have something sophisticated like this. Do you I mean, it, it just made me laugh because... Uh, Boil-in-the-bag cod. Because we, <laughs> we had kind of one of these... Like, I talked about it the last episode that we had a burgundy night a few weeks ago. And then it was this, like, Luki and I had instant ramen for dinner. I mean, he put sea urchin in his, so it was a bit of a fancy instant ramen. But then it was like instant ramen and a bottle of Burgundy. Fuck it. Pair it with whatever you want. Like, have a fancy bottle, have a working class meal. There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they go well. Because we forget that people, like, the wine is also rustic. You know, mm. people drink it. The people from there drink it with their everyday meals. I don't think it's so far removed to think like some fish and taters. No, it'd be amazing. It'd be so good. 
Mm. Best of all the I've worlds. been eating quite a lot of... Whenever I cook, like, potatoes, if I bake them or whatever, like, little ones... No, so like almost ba- like buttery, like but not just buttery because they've been cooked in butter, but like the texture of the inside right. buttery. I guess it depends on the yeah. The... And you know when they're like left over the next day, mm. I like reheat them up and then I put them in bread and I eat them like that, carbs <laughs> on carbs. It's like the best thing ever. It's like I brought her a Danish a couple of weeks ago that was like, oh my god, that was it. I told you this already, right? From when you gave me the da- Danish, and I was like carbs on carbs. It was like so good potato gratin inside a Danish. Yeah, carbs on carbs is only better if there's. Dairy and carbs on carbs. <laughs> this is like cheese and potato inside a Danish. Yes. So shout out to Albatross Bakery here in Berlin because they make some the good shit. Yeah, maybe they. Maybe we should do. A... I mean, we're fueled on it right now. We're we ate from there today, so they make amazing stuff. All right, we need to. We're like next one. I know. Just gabbing away. <laughs> we're Ooh. back. I was a bit out of sorts when we recorded last time. I was like really out of practice with being in front of the camera but now the drinking is socializing i know it's like people every time i've seen people i've had to like apologize for my awkwardness because i feel like i'm not quite there yet back up to practicing i just want to i just want to say as well i feel the same way and number two that wine that we just had so is good. spectacular. Because yeah, like, really the delicious. chalkiness is starting to come through in that wine at the end. Like, you can really taste it the It lasts forever. Mamma mia. Really good. Bonissimo. So, <laughs> number three. We're on 2018. Richard Leroy. Wow. La Nouelle Holy de Mont Is that how you say Mont Yeah, Mont Benoît. Mm. So, bit of an icon, this wine. Um... Very small producer, Richard Lewar, um, 2.7 hectares, so it's almost microscopic, actually, in terms of production. Bit of a uh, bit of a character. I don't know why I was about to say bit of a vagabond. <laughs> I just wanted to use that word. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> but somebody just imagined, like, with a jaunty little like, stick a and, a red, and a red kerchief on the like, end of it. I, I wouldn't have said that. Like, and then I literally said to myself, that's not an appropriate word. <laughs> no. yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, a bit of a character. Um, and I think a guy that really is sort of seeking, I wouldn't say seeking perfection, but seeking um, the truest expression. Yeah. Yes, authenticity in what he's doing and somebody that's willing to do all the experiments to really find where that is. And I know you were saying when you were reading up about him about, um, you know, how he his approach to barrels and this kind of very rigorous um, yeah, experimentation like, yes. to find exactly the formula that works for him and his Because I read that he called himself a tasting freak who can taste exactly the wood used in wines. So it's like he obviously has a very developed palate and... Very finely tuned. Yeah, finely tuned, mm. sensitive. So, yeah. This, this, I love that, like, so far, every wine we've even... that we've tried, like, the scent on this is completely different to the mm. other two scents this is really like powerful so for our listeners that don't Oy. don't know these wines it's a hundred percent uh chenin blanc and uh yeah for people who kind of know the winery or sort of in the natural wine world kind of know that these wines have like a cult status because the quantity is so low um i mean i've got three bottles uh the allocation was three bottles for this year um Still not quite sure why we didn't get more of that. Woo. But 
Why? It gives you a pucker. But yeah, so one of them has been used for, for today for the podcast. Wow. But yeah, for me, this is a very true expression of, of Chenin Blanc. So Chenin always has this very racy acidity. Yeah. We've talked about Chenin quite totally. a bit on the podcast. But this nervousness, but then also the width, right? The right. breadth and the intensity. That's why it character. makes it such an, in- like an interesting grape because it can be this like super acidic, like unapproachable kind of mm. bland, weird wine. And then on the other side of the spectrum, be this big, honey, like rich kind yes. of stuff going on. So it's like a. And I mean, this one's fourteen percent alcohol as well. This is a this is a banger. This is a firecracker. Yeah. And this is amazing because it's fourteen percent, but the acidity is still so, feels so man, high that you don't even so feel the heat from the alcohol. For it's those shocking. for those North American listeners, like the the I feel like the cheek taste is like Welch's grape juice, where you get this like, you know, Welch's grape juice is a grape juice that's like sold as being like the taste you can feel in your cheeks. Mm. So this gives me that same like. You no, like, like this pow, you feel it yeah. like in your cheeks, like it really. Because mm. I think the scent is much rounder and, and sort of honeyed, and then you take the sip and you're like, whoa! Yes. It like catches you a little off guard. It's really beautiful. Fun. Yeah. And I couldn't find the total production for this vintage, but the previous vintage, there were 400 bottles produced. Oh, wow. So, you know, I don't feel so bad about, about my your three, three. No, that's actually pretty bottles. good. So it's like less than two. <laughs> I think it's less than two barrels. Um, so yeah, I thought. Amazing. Yeah. What a, I mean. I love Shenin so uh, much. Me too. Cause I, I mean, cause I know you also like South African wine a lot yeah. and then there's some great, um, versions of it there. But this, I'm trying to think like, I mean, I also would drink this by itself. Basically, everything we've had so far could be a standalone. Mm. Happily drink them yes. just with friends. They actually don't need something else. But I don't know. This is a, I'm a tricky one for food. I'm... I think I could imagine you and I sitting here and just drinking a bottle of this and not thinking about it. But maybe for the everyday person, yeah. because the city is quite high. Like I you would feel do like a, a risotto or something. You need something like yeah. to give you some base. cushioning. Yeah. <laughs> Cushioning, yeah. So maybe, or, yeah. Do you know what I think? I was going a bit of in another direction. Fondue. Because uh, mm. something's cut through something fatty. Interesting. And the creaminess, not for you. What would you have with fondue? We should do a little fondue episode. Yeah, we should we do actually. Because I, I really have a fondue, like fondue set at home as well. It's tough with fondue. At pre- maybe we'll do that when we do our Swiss wines. And yeah, we do a. We've got one coming up. Mm-hmm. I Opera like fondue ski. a lot. <laughs> Yeah, but I can see... I mean, I guess... Mm. I'm always, like, tough with eating with fondue and drinking anything too you cold. Have to, anything. You have, you have to, to yeah. acidic wine. But they tell t- you... drink yeah, water yeah, right. and you get the cheese ball. But isn't that funny? Because isn't so much Swiss, Swiss wine... So, like, a lot of it has very low alcohol, like Chasselas and stuff. But or low acidity. Low acidity, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chasselas is quite, like, low. It's true. So curious. But, I mean, I would eat cheese fondue and have cheese dreams... Any like time raclette then? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. What would you have with this? I don't know. Another direction, yeah. Yeah, I'm struggling a bit actually. What I would mm. eat with this? Because I definitely would need to eat mm. something to put a base on it because the acidity is quite high. And as I'm getting older, acidity hits me harder. I have a harder time. It's me in the pit. Of my yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, this stomach is a lining's worn away. Yeah, <laughs> basically. It's wearing it's just thin, like, guys. Yeah. It's like a used Kleenex just falling apart. Yeah, but what about even things like, I don't know, a chestnut? 
Chestnut, chestnut soup, I, for example. Ooh, that sounds good. Also, the mm. chestnutty. Mm, I can mm. see that being delicious. What about pizza? Not like right. a Bianca pizza. Like with potato and rosemary. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, yeah, carbs on that carbs. sounds good. Carbs <laughs> on carbs. Yeah, potato, potato on bread. That sounds good. Mm. I think like I wouldn't put... I think with this particular... Maybe like not with all Chanel, but this particular one, I think it could... Because it's so like expressive on its own. Maybe it doesn't need anything so... Maybe sushi. Maybe. But that's why I like the potato thing because it's like... Yeah. A potato with rosemary that's like enough mm. to... You can still taste this and let it yes. have its own thing. Yeah, I'm gonna it's, think on that. It's lovely though. The more that this wine really is like open, it. you start to get different layers, right? So initially, you get the acidity, you get this sort of trademark like bruised apple, appley orchard fruit kind of tone to the wine, and then like again, this kind of little bit of nuttiness as well. And it's just totally. that nuttiness trying is now coming into like a touch of toastiness. Maybe a tart. I don't know. I'm like. Maybe mm. it's just that albatross, dauphinoise, or whatever, that yeah. potato gratin. I just think it, like, I would put something simple with this, actually. That's Breast not chicken, too... like a roasted yeah. corn-fed chicken or something. I just think when I think With garlic aioli right. or something, like... That can stand up to it, but isn't, like... I kind mm. of, like, think of simple stuff with this. Mm. Because I think it's so nice on its own. It doesn't need something powerful to, like, overshadow it. Mm. There's like a St. John idea. recipe for mm. poached chicken, which is quite delicious. I'm getting hungry now. Me too. I'd love it. I mean, it would be off. great if there was like a rotisserie <laughs> chicken. Maybe that's it. Right here. That's it. A rotisserie, <laughs> rotisserie chicken. chicken. I mean, I'll eat a rotisserie chicken With your fingers. Yeah. Mm. There is a restaurant, actually, <laughs> not far from Aura. It just does chicken, but... Just the chicken. Mm. Mm. This was really delicious. I mean, think about that for the food. By myself later at home I'd be like hmm <laughs> so that was good lovely mm. I think for people who are looking to try um, who are looking to try Loire Valley Loire Valley Shannon they uh, could look at appellations like Vouvray for example right. there's always still you can find good value in Vouvray um, Mont Louis as well is an appellation okay. that's slowly building up there's a producer called Fran- Francois Chidane I think you would have tried the Maybe. wines there at Passion Van um, Bouvray, Samur as mm-hmm. well. Yes, I was looking up a little Samur. Yes, some very, very nice wines being produced there. And Savignier, obviously, which is also iconic. Right. We've got Nicolas Jolie. Um, I was actually toying around with maybe bringing that wine today, the Coulet de Saron. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Was we have enough on our place right now. Was that a FOMO gaze? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think after this, after this, on a on a hungry belly right now, it's gonna be hmm. maybe it's good four, five might have been the tip, five might have been the might have been the tip there. might have been the tipping point a little yes. bit. Yes, yes. But this is really delicious. What would I mean? You're saying like these are a small allocate, like there aren't a lot of bottles. So I'm guessing that retail wise, this is not something people are gonna be able to find. Retail? I don't think it's that cheap because I think if it was retail, so this is more something people should be looking for on wine lists. Yeah, let's you can say. find it on wine lists yeah. if you see it. You might find it in wine shops. So yeah, you find you it, might you buy it. Yes, but, and in, I mean, it, listen as well. It's a wine that like there's no appellation. This is another example, Val right. France, right? Like there's no appellation on this wine as well. 
Um, but yeah, if you see it, I, I suggest you try it, obviously. I mean, for us, like if we were, we, we sell wines cheaper than other restaurants here, right. if we were to see this on another wine list, it'd be about 110, 120 euros. So we would sell this here at Aura maybe for 90 or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, good value for what you're getting. This is yeah. really exceptional. Yeah. Yes. It's um, big and bold. You know, 80 euros now, like 80 to 90 euros, like, which is where we'd sell it. It's like, pay that for a shabby now. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like yeah. kind of... It's in line. Right. It's delicious. Mm. I know it's one of those that I don't want to tip away because it feels like a waste. Tip your water away and then put it in your water glass and you can drink oh, it after. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Maybe I take a sip of water too. Hydrate Harmon. That's what my friend Jan always says to me. He's like... Hydrate Harmon, because he watches me and I don't drink any water. I know, I'm, try- I'm also, like, becoming this person that, like, forces people to drink water at the house now. Yeah. Why? Because like, you guess you're getting you. a bit unruly. I see you getting not, unruly in my not bed. Not drinking water. <laughs> no, it's more like you're you going to feel like shit tomorrow. You feel good tomorrow. the next day. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I also know this for myself, like, forcing myself, putting lots of bottles of water on the table means that someone is going to force you to drink more water. <laughs> And it solves a lot of problems. People mm-hmm. forget that drinking water is like, I have been a lifelong insomniac. And one of the major cause, causes of insomnia is booze. dehydration. Oh. I was like, booze. <laughs> dehydration. I'm like, the answer to every question is booze. Yeah, but actually, like, that's the thing, because it makes your heart race a little bit more. So you have a yeah, hard okay. time falling asleep. So if you are an insomniac, the number one thing you can do for yourself is just drink more water. And then you can figure out the other shit. And if you're hungover and not able to sleep, maybe you need to drink some water. Have some water. <laughs> not booze. Booze yeah. is not the answer. No. Hair of the dog water only works the for answer. a little amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because if you apply that theory to, if you apply that theory to a hangover, you could just be. I mean, you'd be like with Nan and I. Yeah. You'd be covered in deep heat, A535, <laughs> and you'd be doused in lavender, and... Uncle, Uncle Montague making moves on you in the oh, evening, you'd have too many sherries. Do the shapes of my... Do the shapes of these glasses of Fender palettes. I know. Oh, I love that film so much. Yeah. Such a good film. So, we're on to wine four. We've made it to the end, almost. This also is like, I mean... Beautiful. Totally different smell, like... Mm. And again on another and you know what's really funny is actually like considering this is a not like a northern wine there are some things that bring me somewhere else mm. because of yeah there's a little so for everyone tuning mm. in we're now drinking 2018 Samu Champagne from Thierry Germain um which is yeah, I was just saying to Gwen before we started recording today actually mm. that this is a wine that I've listed on quite a lot of wine lists and um, yeah, I'm quite fond of it because it's not an ex- not crazy no, expensive. It's really, it's really good small. value. I think I paid fifteen to seventeen euros. Yes, it was less than twenty. Okay, yeah. Like I thought, wow, this is a really good value. <sighs> but typical, so it's one hundred percent Cabernet Franc because mm. Samuel Champagne is, and I love this. It's on the nose. You get this raspberry, violet. 
this perfume. So maybe it's the wine that smells of space, maybe. Oh, no. uh, but then it's herbaceous, so it almost smells like the full raspberry bush with all the leaves and all the thorns and all the... And a bit of jalapeno and some Red, paprika. Exactly, and like... totally. Exactly. Yeah, black cur- like this lovely yes. bit of black fruit, but then also this, you're right, this kind of slightly vegetal note. Earthiness, oh, like a touch of truffle. Let's have these with the tamales. This would be great with some Mexican tamales. Gwen's partner's been making mm. a Mexican storm here in Berlin. <laughs> the Austrian making tamales. Yes. But I would actually, now I'm sad I didn't have a bottle of this when we had tamales at home because I think this would be amazing. With the beans as well. Yes, I'm, there's something, I'm just like, yes. oh, just make the beans. Yeah. Because I think there's something like mm. s- very smooth about this. It's so like live. Mm. Crunchy. There's these tannins, but they're like but it's not, fine, but they're kind of dusty at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's like hmm. they're fine and dusty, but there's quite a few of them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, also very easy drinking. Mm. For me, when you taste this, it reminds me of like when you see these old black and white photographs mm. where they don't have as many pixels in as like the current day right. ones. So there's like a fuzz around the edge. Yeah, or just like what? Well, not even just on the edge, just like the whole thing. Like there's this kind of yeah, like the Vaseline sort of like soft focus, yes. easy drinking. Like it has tannins, but it's not like. No, they just come through, but they come mm. through in this kind of like Gentle. almost a lemony kind of way as well, where they're yeah. kind of acidic and fresh. Epic. Like this little smokiness. I would drink this with goulash also. Mm. I see what you mean, yeah, like a stew or a schnitzel or something. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know, I was thinking the goulash because of the sort of like, that like red pepper base. This has given me a little like paprika vibes. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a little tiny, like not smokiness, but almost smokiness. No, I would smash this with some goulash. I n- no, I think you're right. Bars. I mean, goulash is not something... I mean, I've eaten it, like, maybe once or twice in my whole life. But I think you're right, I'm like casserole like, or something. Yeah, I'm thinking of, like, oxtail. Like, that Austrian goulash, and you eat it with, like, the semel bun after, or, like, eat all the sauce up, and it's all made with red pepper and beef, and it's kind of sweet, really but kind good. of savoury. Yeah. Yum. Mm. This is really good. Also, I love funny. what... Yes, totally. Chili I actually just carne. made a, this, an amazing chili last week. When you had chili con carne, did your mum used to make it with rice as well? Yeah, always. I mean, <laughs> British. I know, it's so yeah. funny. It's really so white English. rice as well. Really white, like glowing white. And like, no one's added any salt no. to it. It's just like this sweet, overcooked rice. I think my rice. mom even, <laughs> even serves it with like basmati rice. <laughs> I think For mine, a total mindfuck. With I cheddar think mine on top. does. Yes. Yeah. And cheddar. Cheddar that's grated, but through the biggest holes possible. Yes, in the oh yeah, hundred percent. Otherwise, it crumbles. I'm a big cheddar fan, but I actually made. But chili... there's no microplane in no. the English kitchen. No, no, no. <laughs> it's what side of the four? I mean, I still have one of those. Lucas looks at it with disdain every time it comes out of the cupboard. But it's always the big one, also on yeah. the big side, because you know cheddar will crumble if you try to. I, we have a microplane at home. You do that, and you just end up with like eight pieces of cheddar in your hand. I think it's that, and then I think it's also like the the housewife, the housefrau, the <laughs> mama who's like at home. Not cleaning that motherfucking tiny well, thing. She's like, yeah, one. Though, I mean, those really tiny those holes are horrible. You need like a toothbrush yes. to get in there. <laughs> exactly. So there's that, and then it's like, how can I grate this cheese as quick as I can just to get a dinner? Big <laughs> like, I'm just, yeah, I'm if just they could, they would just crumble it with their bare hands and... <laughs> sprinkle it yeah they would i mean i so i i had there was a stage where i'd never grate it at home so i just used to take a knife and just slice it really yeah. good me off <laughs> yeah why not like italian style 
with the parmesan. Yes. I just saw chunks. Flakes. Yeah, Flakes. they are. They're like, I don't even know what, yeah, they're like thin yeah, slices. Thin slices. The Dutch like that too, the yeah. cheese slicer. I yeah. have a Dutch cheese slicer. But yeah, chili. I made some chili recently with the tomatoes from our balcony because we'd frozen them from last spring. So I made chili with the tomato base from my own balcony. We did, um, I made like a chipotle and black bean. Fucking delicious. God, I love chili. But now, next time I know, I'm going to get a bottle of this. Chili and Frankie. So good. (laughs) Chili Chili and Frankie. Frankie. Not Frankie and Grace. Frankie and Bloody hell, that's a brilliant... Such a good show. Oh, my God. I'm really sad it's over. Is it finished? I thought there was another series coming. I don't know. I hope so. Mm. I think there'll be another series. I mean, Jane Fonda. Both of them. Lily Tomlin. They're both amazing for different reasons, but you just look at Jane Fonda and you're like... How are you in your 80s? Like, she's so, like, a rock, like, everything. You're just like, I mean, I know she's like Mrs. Aerobics or whatever, right. but still. But I, it's such a good show. And I, what I love about it is, like, I don't know, I looked at two, the two of them. Gave me it, hope, actually. That no, whole show gave me hope actually, about life in, I mean, as, an, need, as yeah, I get older. I mean, it needed to happen because everyone was like, oh, you get old, it's going to be like this. And it's like, actually, no, you don't. You're still no, you're just, just like a human person. You're still you. You just you still have all the same wants and needs. Sometimes you might break a hip if you fall down. <laughs> know, so, like, so it's good. like you're still going to be you. Like, you'll still be you when you're 80. Yeah. And I'll be me. So it'll yes. be, yeah. It's like... I think it just gave me so much hope and humor to look at these like two phenomenal women, and also to like acknowledge that they are still phenomenal. Like yes. that was for me the most powerful part of it. And I'm happy I got pushed into watching it because I probably wouldn't have chosen oh my, it. Uh, I mean, I and then I binged it. I've been. And then I, I mean, cried I've rewatched. It was over. I know. I've I was watched like, it every time. Just like they're so amazing. They're, they're so fr- and also funny. like the power of like female friendship. Yes. I think it's like the whole thing about like, yeah, their families falling apart and them finding each other even through conflict with each other yes that it's like yeah i mean it's like they're like so opposite and so different and it's so tense and you're just like how are they making this work and at but first they just, you're like they do it don't right. they? they just carry on and i feel like they're like the two perfect archetypes for women because i kind of see myself and want to be the fancy one but then no, you're like i thought i was grace and then yeah. now i'm more like but i'm actually, actually way more I like know. frankie <laughs> It's like the. Oh, I'm totally gonna to be that person. It's like my go, yurt is parked. Let's go and meditate. <laughs> yeah, let's go and meditate and let's I do this. I pitched a me. yurt in the back garden. <laughs> so weird. I know. I and love I, it. yeah, I kind of. Show. I love her. Actually, Frankie is my favorite because I just think she's kind of. She's just such a wild card. She is. She's kind of amazing, and she's just kind of like she just it. lets it flow. Yeah, and I like that it's like challenging the other character who's lived her life, kind of being the. What yeah. she's supposed to a little bit. In yeah. a different way. She was also a fierce woman. You're running a business. So it's yeah, like but she's kind of... Too maverick. She's very rigid in, in that yeah. too. Whereas like Frankie's the but one that like kind of loosens her up. But yeah. then at the same time, like Grace is the one that's like, oh man, you're a bit of an egg yeah. right now. <laughs> like they need each other so yeah. much. They balance each other up. Yeah. Such a good show. And we digress. We have digressed. <laughs> so we should go back to the Loire. So that's the different Frankie to the one that we're drinking. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love this wine. I'm like, I think it's been a really uh, interesting lineup, these mm. four, because I think like it already shows how insanely diverse the Loire is, that there really, there are so many things for you to look to, like that mm. you could spend probably months just buying from this region and still not explore everything. Yeah. And I mean, we've just scratched the surface. We haven't gone into any kind of 
technical info about the wines or the winery so much. But you can Google that. You, yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. you <laughs> as you see, Gwen's a big supporter of homework. She came with eight pages of this. That I hope she should I hope absorb through osmosis, but didn't. No, but I think I've, the most important thing is to get out there and get tasting because yes. um, then you can discover what part that you like and what wine, like what wineries yeah. you like, what wines you like, what grape varieties you like. Totally. And that like, uh, and actually say, for example, if you just realize right now that, that Sancerre is Sauvignon, that gives you an opportunity to explore other regions with Sauvignon. That mm. like, sometimes it's fun to see where the grape that you enjoy in one region can take you in other places because each of these grapes in different places will have a completely new expression. Mm. And then it's nice to like explore a little bit. Yeah where else it's gone, and the history, why things ended up places. Because as we know, Chennai also grows a lot in South Africa and yes. wherever else. So there's like also the history of people and how those grapes ended up there that you can also learn about, which is sometimes even more interesting than just the grape. I can care. So, so before we get too wild, <laughs> we can carry on drinking. Yes. <laughs> and um, uh, thanks for tuning in again. We'll be back in three weeks. And uh, until then, if you're not following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at juice underscore podcast and on Instagram at juice.podcast. And otherwise, you can find Emily at Vina Lupa and Gwen at Gwen Douglas. And that's Gwen with a U, not with a W. Gwen Douglas, you can find me everywhere. So until next time, I'm Gwen Douglas. And I'm Emily Harmon. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) 